Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, wow, fun episode today. So I have a cool story. I, um... So I met Brian probably, I don't know, years ago. But I, um, I on Sunday, even before Felicity's... Usually on Sundays in the summer, you could find me and uh, my wife and my daughter and our family and our, our crew at the uh, Providence Flea. And I've been going to that for years. And uh, every so often, I would run into this dude, um, who turned out to be Brian, uh, Popcorn Inc. And I just absolutely fucking fell in love with his art. I own the Ghostbusters and the Game of Thrones piece. I When I move, I'm buying uh, either The Rock or... Point break. Go check out his stuff on popcorninc.com and Instagram, all that stuff, and you'll understand. Um, so just fell in love with this work, and then all of a sudden we just tat chat, and then just, you know, I'm not the biggest small talk kind of person, but we just start talking. We love all the same movies. So Brian just was just a really cool dude, and I mean, seeing him for maybe like three or four years, I think we exchanged cards, and um, I, I don't know how it really happened, but something he had listened to, and I think I asked him on, he listened to an episode, he's like, all right, or... I don't know. He said yes, and, uh, you know, we did this one in person, so that's always fun. We, That's a rarity. And uh, Brian's just a fucking cool dude. He loves all the same shit I love, and it's kind of interesting. I was, You could kind of hear the wheels turning, because I don't really... I work in the... I mean, I work at a psychiatric hospital, so talking to someone who works in, like, the design illustration world is a lot... It's just, I don't know a lot about it, but it was interesting. And, uh, yeah, Brian's just a talented dude. He did the logo art for the show. I'm kind of rambling on, so I will continue this quickly. Uh, sorry for the long delay and the sound quality of this episode. Uh, I am going to be buying new equipment, but it will probably be another long delay. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life, uh, so I will have to probably take a little pause in recording for a month or two, but we'll see what happens. Um, check out past episodes. Uh, anyway, follow Brian at on uh, brianmalloy.com and then there's popcorninc.com Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn whatever the hell people are using these days and um, you know, follow me at Let's Chat Podcast uh, on all the things and uh, let's get to it I met in the actual world where I just liked your work and then you ended up on the show. So that's kind of cool. I'm like, it's exciting because that's part of, I started this a long time ago with a friend who then quit pretty quickly and then I ran out of gas so I had to start finding people that I didn't know. Gotcha. And then there's always a part of me that was like, maybe I should make this more local and then I never do. Sure. So it's kind of. No, that's cool. I mean, that's, the, it's, it's been a good, uh, like I've been doing design work for, you know, over 10 years, but like the whole, the province bleed. Like, those markets have literally been, like, the first time I've ever actually got to talk to people that, like, are buying the stuff that I'm doing just because they like it. You know, it's not connected to anything. They're like, you know, another client, another, like, project. It's just the stuff that I'm making. Oh, yeah. I mean, I literally just completely just, I was just happened to be there and just walked by it. And that's, that's, and a lot of people. And then I think I, we actually had your stuff hanging up until the baby was born. And then Which ones do you have? We had the Ghostbusters and Game of Thrones. Okay, cool. Actually, uh, then 
Game of Thrones, I think he's at my wife's office, and then my friend is a Ghostbusters fanatic, so like, it's his Star Wars, so nice. I actually gave it to him, I was like, oh, oh there you go. But uh, the next one, one we're mo- hopefully moving soon, I'm like, in the Point Break one is the one I have to have, and it's like, I think it's like, that and The Rock are the two ones I like. So I redid the Point Break one. <gasps> I don't know if it's, it's on the my website. Yeah, I, I just I, I did it for like a, I, I gave a couple to um, my cousins run like a charity event and uh, they they anything that, that you can like donate they can help like you know raise money. So it's all like Long Beach and Long Island themed. So like a lot of beach surf stuff is always mm. like looks cool. So um, yeah, like I redid Point Break for that one. Just I wanted to give it more of like a it's pretty much the same design. I just sort of tweaked it a little because I was never crazy about some of the. I don't like. I felt a little bit like uh, like George Lucas, like tinkering with things that I know people already like. But I don't know. It's it's still pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I still have. Uh, it still does okay. So I mean, I, I'm, I'm I was a little hesitant to do it, but I just after a while, you're like, yeah, whatever. I'm just gonna make this cooler. Did you did you make uh, Keanu Reeves the um, oh god, I can't remember the movie right now. Did you, did you make him the the good guy? He's the. He's a good guy. He's a good guy, yeah. and, and Gary Beast, and then Patrick's the bad Swayze, guy. Yeah. Yes, you made, Swayze, Swayze, yeah. Swayze and the, the, the ex-presidents. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's, yeah, it's still the ex-presidents and surfboards. Basically, that's pretty much It's the exact same poster. Just re, kind of re... I just recolored it, essentially. I gave oh, it a little you bit more of a... kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's more... It just looks more like almost like like a, like a spray-painted stuff, yeah. like, like, like coloring now versus the other one, um, which is sort of just like a flat color, but... Um, but yeah, like that stuff has been really cool to do. Um, so that's like your hot, uh, it's popcorn ink, and we'll plug in at the end. Sure, thank you. At the beginning as well, but keep sprinkled in there because I, I think there's something like people have to hear things. Too sure, yeah, popcorn ink. Popcorn ink, um, popcorn ink, popcorn ink. Yeah, it's basically just me doing like kind of like retro movie style posters, oh, you know. Um, there's been, you know, it's like there's a lot of things online if you go to Etsy or Pinterest, and you know, even if you just check in like minimal, it's like I wouldn't call it minimalist art because. Some of that stuff is very minimal, where you basically just it's like a one a one image on a on a on a poster. Um, but I do try to kind of minimize things to like you know something boiled down to like the essence of the movie or something a scene that people recognize or something like that. And just a fun yeah, it's a fun hobby for me to kind of like just you know point like things that I do like my like movies and television shows and music and like things that I normally wouldn't get to work with exclusively with a client. I kind of yeah. just to make something that I like. Have you, there's an Instagram account I think it's called it's like. Alternate movie yep. trailer. It kind yeah. of, I feel like that's what, there's more than movie one. posters, yeah. Because there's also another person I've seen at Rhode Island Comic Con who does something mm. similar to what There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of people out there doing some awesome stuff. A- it's like AMP. Yes, is yes. Their, is their it's Instagram feed. Cool. It's awesome. It's really yeah. cool. Now, every time um, I think I last time we talked on the flea market, I was like, you gotta go to Comic Con. You'll make so much money. I looked into that actually, and it was just, I think it was, it was a waiting list. So I, I so I didn't wow. do it. It's yeah. getting big. Yeah. It was a waiting list for vendors, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I can definitely keep that on my radar next time because the mix because people go. I, what did I read? Like they bring in like almost a hundred thousand people over three days. That's awesome. And yeah. like, an artist alley is like where all the fan art is. And sure. It, it's just it's the best part. I mean, well, I'm, I can't I hang out. I got this Wonder Woman clock there and like stuff in the nursery. We have so much. Yeah. Uh, stuff we buy from I I go to Comic Con for that intention to buy someone's art. I definitely, uh, yeah, it's, it's on my radar. I just, I literally have limited myself to just those summer fleas. Yeah. And it's mostly because. You have it's, a job. Yeah, I mean, it's right, it's a little harder to find. Like, some of the people I talk to in the community, which is like, it's a really cool, like, artist community that exists, like, in the in the state or even lo- more locally in the city. And most of them always ask me about, like, what other, like, markets I'm doing. And I'm just like, man, I gotta probably look into more of these. Like, they go all over the place, like, Boston, Connecticut. Mm. Like, they, there's a really, like, like a, like a really tight knit community of, like, people that either do. Whether it's crafts like you know making things out of wood or whatever, or like actual just like like print work stuff like that. So like it's something that I 
yeah, I've always, every time I talk to someone, I'm like, man, I should do more of that, and then I never do. But I'm happy I'm doing at least what I'm doing as it is, because it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, it's a full day. Like, you basically oh, yeah. a full day with that stuff. It's funny, too, because we have such a small city slash state, and, like, there's more fucking flea markets, craft shows. Craft than breweries. Craft, <laughs> crafts at breweries. Yeah. Like, there's so many, like, places to buy local art. Like, I, I think, I don't know, that's probably the RISD influence, but, like, Probably a little. I just, when I grew up in Connecticut, I, I, maybe it exists, I just wasn't aware of it, but like, I've got all that shit. Because it's just, there's always some sort of free outdoor event, which is like family friendly, but also like fun for adults. Yeah. And this is before I came before, but we still doing all that stuff. And like, because it's just, it's fun, it's free, and you get to be out. There's always art. I mean, every fucking weekend. Yeah. All through the state at every time. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's great. I love yeah. it. Because, yeah, usually, and you never know what you're going to find. You could come across something that, Holy cow! I gotta have that. And it's you like, like the farmers market too. Yep. Like you're like I'm buying vegetables and now I'm like trying not to buy this like robot <laughs> thing I found. Or <laughs> so that's crazy. So how did you get started? What's your uh, origin story? To uh, always was always like a kid who drew growing up, um, but never you know. I think it was just sort of like uh, like most most people, it's a hobby. So you don't really focus on like the idea of that being a career. It wasn't until after like college, working working for a little while, that I was like, I'd like to do something that I like, and I kind of took my classes and like just learned programs, like all like, the Adobe programs, like like Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, like all those things. And I just had no real understanding of how they worked. Um, like I had the desire, but I had no technical knowledge of like yeah. you know that kind of stuff. So learned all that stuff, and then took a job at an agency, worked there for probably like. Like close to five five years, mostly doing like logos and web design and print design and stuff like that before I left for a startup, and that's when I kind of like got into like the I the yeah, startup culture is very attractive, especially I think to anybody in like design that's just like bare bones, like kind of like they're trying to build something. It's like you know you're not just doing I was doing the design work for them, web design, print design, like helping them with some video stuff, but like bigger than that, you're you're kind of like creating not just the design for them, you're helping create like a company, and it's kind of a cool thing. The company I worked for, though, unfortunately, was more in, like, it was, like, home improvement. It wasn't exactly, like, in the realm of, of interest for me, but it was interesting to do design work for somebody that wanted me to work for them. Um, but the startup thing is what attracted me to, like, when all of a sudden, like, this the new wave of, like, these online merch providers kind of became, like, a new trend, like, mm. and that's when I stumbled across Teespring, and they basically were looking for somebody to do T-shirts full-time, and I was... I didn't, I did that was back then, that was my hobby, doing a lot of t-shirts. Oh, wow. And I, you know, I have a big family and we have a ton of events and I, we like, we do, I basically am the only one who does this kind of stuff in my family, so I do it every time. Like, whether mm. it's, you know, family reunions, like sporting events, stuff that we, anything involved gathering and could possibly use t-shirts, I was making them and then it became, you know, hey, I can work for a company that does this full time. I moved from New York to Providence uh, all about like four and a half years ago. Uh, it'll be five years in February and, uh. And yeah, it was really cool. Like Teespring, I think kind of like they they kind of like grew like a like a rocket ship. They just started making so much money to start hiring so many people. And part of the part of the cool part about their success was that they, they all of a sudden like we almost like created like a company within the company of working with like influencers, musicians. You know, uh, we did we did a ton of work with Stan Lee, um, who obviously just passed. Uh-huh. But we got like from 2014 to 15, me and like three other designers. One of the uh, account managers who we, we kind of like formed our own like small like team within the company started working with like we did a lot of work with Stanley it was really cool um, and uh, so it's some stuff that's in my portfolio it's some of the stuff that really kind of like all of a sudden I'm like wow like this is really all the stuff that I've been doing I'm like now this is like really like I'm working but I'm working with people that I've been following my whole life and I'm getting to like actually do stuff for them so that became like like the real like turning point where I'm like this is what I'd rather do. And that's what led me to taking the job with Represent, which this is all, that's all they do. We only focus with people that have, like, 
built-in audiences that mm -hmm. have like big social networks. Mostly, it's people in the music, film, television industry. With a couple of outliers and like the YouTube and like bloggers and stuff like that. But it's cool. Like it's definitely like it's a it's a fun job to have. Really, is. sometimes I have to like remind myself that it's you know it's I'm lucky to kind of be doing this. Mm. How do you balance the? Because uh, like you're a, a creative, I guess people would call you. Like you call yourself that. I go like, yeah, that's weird. It's, it's weird such a shitty. Yeah. it's a douchey thing to call yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's right, like, it's true. But like, I mean, because then there's that like creative commerce line of like, I know you want to use your your art. Like, so you're making art, but when you're doing it for someone else, how do you balance that? Where, like, it's are tough. You, are you staunch? But like, no, it's my my way or the highway. I mean, I have to fight that urge a lot because mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, it just you have to just kind of understand that when you sometimes when you're dealing with somebody who hasn't been working in the like whether it's being in, like an illustrator or designer for as long as you have like it took sometimes it took me you know 10 years to come to a point where i like a certain aesthetic and there's a reason why i like it but it's 10 years in the making and i i'm not a good enough salesman to explain it to somebody in a short period of time so you have to either rely on people that work with you that are the sales people or you have to try and explain it yourself to the client and sometimes like that's that's where like the long-term clients building trust with them really comes into play like i, I have a few freelance clients that i've worked with now for over four years mm. and those discussions don't happen anymore because they trust me those are like the great, those are the best relationships to have because you literally can kind of like it's more of like a collaborative effort. You know, you're talking yeah. to someone, you bounce ideas off each other, and when you say like I like it because of this, usually like unless they're staunchly against it for specific reasons, which if they are, then you can change things around. But usually they like they'll be like yeah, I'll trust you, and that's kind of like that. That also moves stuff the fastest. You can get from point A to point B and have it be done mm. much faster, and you get from like just concept to, to execution to creation, and all of a sudden it's done because you're working with somebody that trusts you. A lot of times when you have people that don't really know you, they really know your backstory, don't know what you're good at, they kind of just know what they want. And it's really just, but it's like you want to get, you want basically you want the client to, to agree to, to a design, but at the same time, like at some level, you have some responsibility to use what is your venue profession mm. to guide them in the right path. Like you don't want them to make something that you know is not as good as it could be. But this, you know, it's always a battle. Like at what point do you give up and just let them get what they want? But you know, because especially if it's their idea. If it's their idea, it's very easy to let them drive, you know, because they know what they want and you should kind of help them get there rather than it's, I want you to help me and therefore you expect kind of a little bit more give on them when you give on their part when they kind of kind of like take your advice on stuff. So it's case by case basis, like everything else, you know. It's, it's easier when somebody comes to you, like those are the best freelance projects. Someone sees, like, like that's been the best, another side effect of the, of the flea market stuff is I've gotten a few freelance jobs where people like see what they want and they're like, I want that. And there really is, other than like, you know, can you add some text, change some text? Like, yeah. nobody really ever gives me any, like, pushback on design work because they, they saw the stuff I want, that I did and they wanted it like that. So they really give a level of trust to me that is, gives you a lot more freedom as an artist. The thing about art, it's so odd. It's like, um, it's so subjective. So, like, to quote Mr. Burns, I know what I hate and I don't hate that. <laughs> and so I'm sure you must be dealing with that too, like, because, like, I'm not like an artist or whatever, but, like, I just know what I like and I can't explain it. Right. But I'm sure you're dealing with, not, like, executives and like people like yes that. it's i mean it's it's yes especially if you're dealing with somebody who is like more of like high profile you not only have to get through your own company and your own company doesn't have to agree on sending them art then you have to get through their people that's before you even get to the to the talent that like actually has to approve it or, or, or like, you know reject it so yeah but once you start adding all these layers people will you know through no fault of their own input what they think about it and there's no accounting for taste you have no idea what people are like like you could have somebody love something and somebody hate something and like to me, that's where I feel like the the nature of, of like the, the quick turnaround merchandise launches, where it's like you, you come up with it, you launch it, like just let I, my my opinion is let the audience dictate. Like mm. if something really is bad, no one's gonna buy it. 
like who like how you, it's impossible to know like unless you have a very specific reason to, to, to launch something whether it's a charity or, or something you're promoting there really shouldn't be too much like like you know if, especially it's easier obviously like it makes sense it's easier for me to work with somebody who I'm a fan of because I know the backstory I know yeah, the product yeah. like like I mentioned before we like we were, were my company is doing a project with a uh, Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and it's like we're we're like we were tasked with coming up with something he would like. I'm like, well, do I have something he'd like? Or something I know would sell because it's almost two different things. Mm. So I know I can make something that he'll always look at and kind of like crack a smile. So that's what I did. I basically made a shirt. Actually, I was at the end of every episode. It's always sunny. They play their like a, it's like a logo with like a backwards message. Every episode, every season for 13 years, and every year it's a different backwards message. But I think 90% of them are like poop jokes. Mm. They're basically like you, they say something basically something brown backwards. So one of them was Make It Brown. It's just like them singing Make It Brown, but it's backwards. You know what it is. You play it forward, you hear what they say. So I basically, the idea became a shirt that says Make It Brown, and then uh, we basically like flipped it, turned it around. It's actually, I was talking to Emily, uh, my girlfriend, about this, and she goes, well, put it backwards. So I'm like, holy cow, that's a great idea. So yeah, we basically yeah. sent it to him, and he was like, this is awesome. So like we were, we're already sending the sample, and we should be shooting some promo stuff for it, so... Who knows how good it'll do? It's literally for diehard It's Always Sunny fans who literally know the logo is backwards. So I don't know how well it'll do, but I know the client likes it. It's like, what's the, where's the balance? Like, what are you what are you trying to do? Get the client to, to work with you or make something you know will sell well? Because there's a million things on that show that we could probably make that would sell better. Mm. But would he want to sell it? It's like, because I have like um, this t-shirt, pretty old, I forgot, from like one of those sites. But it was um, when Stranger Things first came out, but it's like, all you know the... I forgot that design, but you know they have the people's names listed like, like that order. Yeah. I forgot, I don't know what the original thing is. I think it's like Tokyo, New York, Japan, or uh, London is the original. But it just says all the kids' names. It's like Dustin, Lucas, and Eleven. But oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the original is, but I was like, oh my god, that, but that's like a deeper cut, uh, like right? A slight deep cut because it was. And it's got to, it's got. Uh... Will upside down, right? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Will's upside, upside down. Upside down. Yeah. That was, was a cool shirt. Yeah. I, I, I fucking love that shirt. But I was like, oh, that's like a deep-ish cut. Like, uh, you got to peel it on you just a little bit because you have to know the king's names just right. to watch it. it. Doesn't say Stranger Things. Yeah. On it. And those are the things I definitely like doing more. But there, it's just harder to find an audience. There's less people that are going to buy that than yeah. than what a general like picture yeah. of Eleven on a shirt. Like at like Target or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Which sometimes Target. It's actually different. somewhat fun, a funny story about that. We so one of the one of the clients we got to work with. Um, is is uh, Gaten Matarazzo. I think I'm saying his name right. Dustin? Uh, Dustin. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. So ask you about him. we did, the first one we did was like, I kind of did like an emoji with his like, kind of like, you know, toothless grin with like his hair and his hat and he promoted for like, I think it actually, I don't know if it was the start, but it, I think it indirectly led to part of uh, his like new research facility, his research uh, or charity for his uh, people with the same affliction that he had. It's, it's yeah. got a long name. It's like, Cranial or something like that. Cranial dysphagia or something? Yeah. I actually knew someone who had it. I've written it and typed it a bunch of times and I don't know. I still don't think it's It's like the bones push out your teeth. It's a, yeah, it's a very, and he has like a mild case of it, but it's, it can get pretty, you know, intense and then it can really like, like, you know, cause some problems for people. So he, he was into that. He did the shirt and then we did another one like a few months later after, it was probably a little bit longer. Like whenever the promotion for Stranger Things 2 came out and like in the commercial, so the kids as the Ghostbusters. Yeah. So that was the idea. Like, let's make the Ghostbusters ghost with his, like, the emoji face that we already launched. And um, we had, uh, like, Sony had a problem with it because we were technically using an intellectual property. 
So we they, they were okay with it. They just said, you know, put the trademark on it, like so we know it's ours, like put us on the label mm. as part of the Sony like thing. So they were cool. He launched it, he did, you know, sold a bunch, like, definitely over a thousand shirts and um but like fast forward like a, like you know, a few months later I'm walking through Target and I literally see the, the exact shirt. Like it was more it was more looked more like the Ghostbusters shirt than it did like look like mm-hmm. Gaten. But it was literally the Ghostbusters ghost with Gaten's hat on from the show, Dustin's hat on his hair. And I'm like I have no idea. They maybe they had that in the pipeline all along, and that's yeah. why they didn't like it. Who knows? I like to think that they saw it and they they stole the idea from us. But I'm just making that up at this point, so I have no idea. But it just makes you think sometimes, like how these ideas get made, where they come from, like mm-hmm. how they how because if they had known Stranger Things two was coming out like a year in advance, there's good ch- there's a good chance they could have made that that far in advance. Because most of those companies they don't really operate like. The, the short-term launch companies, they literally have things planned seasons in advance, years in advance. So the fact is, there's probably a good chance that they had that in the pipeline already, and that kind of, like, worried them. Has that happened where you found a company or a person or someone that's in your style or, like, clearly enough where you have to bring legal action or a, a, a strongly worded letter? Uh, I wouldn't say, like, I mean, at least for me personally, I haven't run into it, but, like, through work and, like, some of the stuff we do, we, we more or less will see things where, like, people will either rip off the design entirely, which is very easy to kind of, like, catch mm. or they'll take the phrase that we use it's like it's, it's like a catchphrase they'll like take that we did one we worked with mike tyson and did a shirt that was like thumbs out guns out it was a summer shirt but like with the list kind of like intentionally put into the to the design so people were ripping off the design it was easy to stop them but if they were taking the tagline and putting on a different shirt you really can't do much about that the intellectual property laws are fucking weird. it's so weird it's so, so weird like obviously like it's like, it's like a, there's a huge gray area when it comes to parody and then like there's like you know fan art like it's just a weird there's so many like things that you that you would have to really understand to like because you think too much about that stuff and it's one of the problems I had I think when I did a lot of stuff was that you think too much about what laws you might be breaking and like where you might be going like you'll never do anything like you just you'll like you'll like freeze up and you like I can't even try it because I'm gonna probably do something wrong. Is popcorn illegal? I don't I don't think so. I mean, I mean hopefully it's, no one comes out. There are times. I mean, it has to happen a lot. Do you remember in the early '90s? I only, I only rephrase that because it makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about. I saw this in a documentary. Okay. <laughs> but that Disney got all fucking copyright crazy and was suing daycares for using Mickey Mouse and stuff. Yeah, I thought I saw that recently too with, uh, shoot. It, it might have been Sesame Street. Well, Disney owns Sesame Street now, so it might have yeah. been, been it. Well, no, I thought HBO bought it. It was HBO owned by Disney. Well, you know what? You might be right. Either way, they all own each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, Disney is like the worst. The reason we have fucked up copyright laws are actually because of Disney. I, be- I believe it. The, they've changed laws over and over yeah. and over to benefit them. It's weird. I mean, I, I, I definitely have looked into it. So I think I think well, I left it exists. I think pop printing exists in the gray area, like everything you see on Etsy and Pinterest yeah. and stuff like that. Like. I think if somebody really wanted to like take me to task, I don't. I wouldn't like fight it. It's not like I don't yeah. like. This is like uh, it's like not a big money maker for me. It's more like I get more engagement at like enjoyment out of the engagement with people yeah. talking like art and movies and TV for for a day. Like it's a fun way to spend a Sunday for me. Um, so yeah, and, and like I think I don't know. I went to one of those like seminars where they talk about like intellectual property and like especially when it comes to print material. And I mean, one of the big loopholes seem to be like limited print runs. Like I never really print more than like three or four of these things. Mm. So like, you know, that kind of like that kind of limited scope of prints you sell like i think that helps like keep you in like in a safe area mm-hmm. you're not like mass producing them and like selling them like you know like i'm not going to target and, like working a deal with them of course sending like ten thousand posters of like some ghostbusters thing that i made i'm not doing that but like yeah i mean i don't, I don't know it's it's definitely like i don't think i'd be i think there's di- i think there's different laws between like art prints and t-shirts i think merchandise is a little bit trickier because of just the nature of, of, of how much money that industry makes um but yeah it's i 
I, I will never know all the, all the regulations and that stuff. Um, I feel, at least, this is completely uneducated. I feel though, like, the work you do and, like, fan art and whatever, like, it builds their brand if they like to admit it or not. Like, yeah. It's, it, I don't know what, there's maybe not a way to measure a, like, a cultural impact, but clearly Stranger Things has one because I bought a shirt from there from fucking Target. Right. But, you know what I mean? But, like, yeah. but there's also the other stuff. But it's funny, I, I wonder the cultural impact, and I think, when you go to Comic-Con, you can always just tell whatever the it thing is just because of whatever everyone's selling. Like, whatever yep. they are, the capitalism will dictate that. Sure. In Sure. So there's like when Wonder Woman came out, different things Wonder Woman or um, Frozen, obviously. But like whatever, and Comic Con's odd. Here's the thing I always find so strange about Comic Con is um, there are things that I'm like, so I don't know, I don't even know if I could, like, I like that world. I'm like in it, I guess. I feel at work I'm considered the nerd because I see Marvel movies, which right. are the most popular movies right. in the world of all time. Yeah. Then I talk to someone who likes a Marvel movie, and I'm a fucking bro because I don't. Never read a comic book and don't know anything else besides like the movie right. I watched twice. Some of that like gray area of like I have my toe in it. So there's things I don't know about like Walking Dead. I never watched. I tried that. Gave up after yeah. two or three seasons. But, so that's like popular. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It's a big panel. But there's one year I'm at Comic Con and they have like panels and it was the fucking Bean Power Ranger. That's weird. When I was a kid. Oh, from the old from the, the old 90s show. one. Who's now an MMA Christ fighter. Oh man, a fighter for Christ. And you're like, oh, whatever. Not was he wasn't even just there. He filled up an entire fucking gigantic ballroom, and people were in line. Wow. So it, it's like weird. I didn't know that people were like Power Rangers that much. I mean, it's definitely it's all you know. It's all connected to the internet, essentially. Like the, these niche, like yeah, like audiences have, can find each other now. But that's at, how you see a lot volumes of volumes that you've never yeah. seen before. And if you're it's a vendor, cool. you would do a ton of Power Ranger stuff because you're going to make so exactly. Was, I'm walking around like, why is all this Power Ranger stuff? Or like the year before the DuckTales reboot started, mm-hmm. there was a lot of like DuckTales, or when that came out, there was yep. some of that cultural stuff. There's a show I fucking love that should, um, iZombie, but like, I didn't see any fan art there. So I'm like, oh yeah. man, you guys didn't break that bubble of like... Do you know the show Supernatural? Yes. So I never watched it. I have a couple of like... Another one that's it. like... It's, the audience for that is not only massive, they are so passionate and loyal. It's My sister-in-law is one of those it's, people. I, yeah, I thought, it's wild. Yeah, they really love it. Like that's one of the guys. Like the the two actors that are the ma- are the leads have worked with, uh, my company to represent, and they they, they just sell they sell so much stuff. It's crazy. It's been on for like twelve years. I think thirteen. Yeah, they did. Like they actually had a twelfth anniversary shirt they launched, but I can't remember if it was a year ago or two years ago. But they're somewhere around like 13, 12 or thirteen seasons now. I so, and I just heard of it. I'm like, what? Super what? Yeah. And then you're like, this is. Yeah, and then people get weird about, like, fandom and shit, which it's like, they're like, oh, you like Supernatural? I'm like, yeah, but the same way that, like, my sister-in-law, Samantha, who's wonderful, likes that, it's like the same way someone likes Star Wars. It's just a different thing. Like, I I, use, I like to use the analogy when it comes to, like, for me, it's more like music, but, like, I'm like, I went to, uh, I saw Pearl Jam at Fenway Park, like, nice. a month and a half ago, um, and, I'm, and, like, you know, someone would be like, oh, I didn't know you liked Pearl Jam. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't, like, go to all their shows, I don't have all their music, but they've been around for so long, I probably like... 30 of their songs, which is probably such a small percentage of their total catalog, you wouldn't call me a fan, but I can go to a concert and listen to them play three straight hours of just songs I like. So am I a fan? Like, where, where, where does that put me in terms of being a fan? I think about that, too, with music, because, like, people get, like, you don't know this, and, like, well, right. I'm to the concert, yeah. you know? And I, but I have bands and, like, shows that I am that person for, like, the Eat Real Band. And, uh, but some, I, I I've gotten better. That's but, natural, though. I think I feel yeah. like, I feel like I do that sometimes, too, where it's just, like, you know, it's the old, like, you know, I don't think I do as much as I probably did when I was, you know, in my twenties. But like, when you have a band that you like that you like before everybody else does, yeah. Party wasn't become famous because you 
knew them first. Yeah. The other part is one of them famous because you don't want everyone else to, to like oh, be their yeah. fan, right? Yeah. It's like the, always the internal debate of these old school fans that like that like hate the popularity of their own uh, of their own uh, bands that they like. Yeah, I, I grew up in like I was really heavily involved in like the pop pub or like, the music scene, like the I don't know what you call it, but like music scene in Connecticut was pretty. Independent music, I guess you'd call it, like gotcha. something that used, and then it was weird to see those bands get like some of them would like sure. pop up and become famous and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's inevitable. It is, really. Yeah, and then most don't. And then most don't, right? That too. Like, Do you ever go to the website The Hard Times? No. It's like, uh, if anyone out there is like familiar, like kind of like scene culture kind of thing. It's like the onion of that, and they huh. have like the funniest headline I think I've ever seen on the, oh, this. Well, this one, they're getting a little more broad than music it is like. Uh, legendary hardcore band accidentally reunites in Whole Foods, uh, Whole Foods break room. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, you fucking nailed it. It's yeah. so true. Like some of these bands I thought were the biggest bands in my heart when I was 16, and I would be at like Toys R Us with my mom, like, huh. Yeah. Why are you working here? So, I mean, but there's like, there's also like the level of like, especially with independent music, it's just sometimes it's just what, what, like how much effort that band is willing to like put in you because most of those bands if they really want to keep playing if they're independent they can they can yeah. keep going and that's a business oh totally. totally like I have a cousin who's like a huge handsome fan they're now like back in the mainstream have you seen like the string theory uh, stuff they're, no. like, they're like playing with like a full orchestra and apparently they never left yeah and they've had this diehard quiet fan base that no one has ever heard of yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. I'm. Was basically for me, it was like it was my like my sister bought the my younger sister bought the CD. Yeah. And we had to listen to Umbop all the time, yeah. which is a song that you know I begrudgingly admitted it was super catchy and I couldn't get out of my head like ever. But um, then twenty years went by, you never thought about it. Exactly. You know, and then like I was like I was like on, you know, like Yahoo News or Google or whatever it was, and like I see like Hanson leading like String Theory with like a full orchestra playing Umbop and like some of their other hits. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. It, I don't know. I remember one of those moments. I was in New York City, and there was a billboard for some um, Latino artist playing Yankee Stadium, and I have no idea who he is. But like to be a musician and play Yankee right, fucking Stadium, you have to be one of the biggest artists in the fucking world. And I had never even heard his name, or never been on television, or at least in my right. radar or whatever. And I'm not like that much of a bubble person. Like I'm sure but, aware of stuff, but like. It's just one of those things. I'm like, it's one thing to be a big artist, but right. Like, but it's the reverse of what we just talked about yeah. with like the like the the, the the like the Power Ranger. It's like the reverse, where like you really want to be involved with like that community, you can find it them. But like yeah. the way that it's also set up with like the way news is generated and like how many different channels are with, like you can also kind of isolate yourself from things you have yeah, no yeah. interest in. So like something that can get that big, know, you can turn around and all of a sudden be like, wow, I've never even heard of this person before. Like, I would even argue that the biggest band on the Billboard chart could not play Yankee Stadium. <laughs> and, and probably, right? I mean, the only I know artists, it is. Yeah, like I don't even remember the guy's name, but like the only people that play Yankee Stadium are you're getting like Pearl Jam, Dave Matthews Band, Brian right. Joel, Elton Stone, John, maybe yeah. like Jay Z and Eminem. Right. Like, Beyonce can play that, but not like I don't know. God, I'm so bad. Who's a hit, cool band? Portugal the Man? I don't right. know. But is it, uh, was it like, was it um, like a Spanish speaking artist? Like, yes. Yeah. All right. So that's, again, like, that's it's, it's, you're much further removed from that. It was yeah. so far, but that, it's that big that he was doing like three nights at Hickey fucking Stadium. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, K pop's a huge thing that I don't know anything about. And like, they, they have millions and millions and millions of fans of this I stuff. Like I, I don't really know it. I mean, but again, we, like, we did, we worked with somebody and like, they, like, that was their audience and they just sold directly to them and they bought a ton of stuff. At what point did you start to realize that the world was no longer marketing things towards you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's like in the early 30s, late 20s. I'm like, I don't under... 
for me, it was when Snapchat happened. I was like, sure. I don't understand this. I, I, I have Snapchat, but also just like to check images that other people send. I don't, I like, I yeah. basically don't use it. Um, but I mean, it's it, like, it, it, yes, most of the stuff in my look at now, I'm like, that's not for me, but it also makes it easier for me to find things that are for me, yeah. which is kind of cool. Like, um, one of, I just, I watched an episode of, uh, do I don't, there's a show on Amazon Prime called Patriot. I've heard of it. I, was, I'm like, I, um, I, it's, it, I love it. It's one of, yeah. it's probably my favorite show out right now. Um, and it feels like it was literally made for like someone like me where it's like, it clearly has heavily, like it's heavily influenced by Wes Anderson, uh, like terms of cinematography, but some of the dialogue I would even say is so clever and, and goofy, but at the same time, it's like a. It's about a spy trying to commit an assassination in like France and Luxembourg and like. Isn't there music in it? Music is like the folk. The main character is basically an assassin, a CIA like knock operative, which is like non non official cover, and his hobby is folk music. And like, as they joke about in the show or talk about in the show, and it's played for laughs, is that he's like most folk musicians. You you speak from like you know what's going on in your life. Mm. So for him, it's going on like you know an assassination gone bad and like. You know, all these like things like money got dropped off in the wrong hands, and like he's singing about it, like in these like pubs in, in Amsterdam or whatever. And like his father, who's like played by uh, Perry O'Quinn, is like, you know, telling him to stop. But he's like, he's also pretty good. So it's like, and then the second season, which, which is what I'm watching now, is they don't really have much of him performing, but it's like his songs about the events that he clearly wrote at a later time are played like narrating the events as they take Ooh, that's place. Really? It's so good. It's so good. I listen to like uh, Kevin Pollock's chat show, and he always fucking brings it up. And he's on the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, okay. and he'll plug that show, and and goes, and as a fan, you all need to watch Patriot. It's it's honestly, I can't, I like, I, I can't speak highly enough for it. I mean, it's it, but it's also a show where I'm like, if you want, if you, it cannot be for anybody. Like, it's not, it's not made for everybody, which what makes it, I think, me like it even more. You know, so, it's like that old thing about like you know the band that you. Mm. Like that, no one else likes makes you like them even more. But like at the same time, you know, like, you want the show to succeed only because you want another season. Are you gonna um, make like fan art for it? I might honestly. This test, yeah. When someone comes to the booth and they notice it, you're like, all right, we're good. Just yeah, just to actually have the conversation. Like it's worth however long it takes because I know I'll enjoy making a, like a Patriot style like poster. But the payoff would be not if somebody buys it, but if somebody literally that comes by and just starts talking about the show with me because. Like, you know, it's hard to find people to talk about a show. Well, now television is so... And, and television is not music. It's just yes. so niche. Yep. Like, there's probably some of the best TV in the world that's ever existed on right now, and I will never watch it. I know. It's true. It's true, especially especially with the way that we just, like, with shows like The Office and, like, other like Arrested Development are, like, up yeah. there. And, at, and, like, instead of trying something new, you know you can watch something that you know you like over and over and over yeah. again. We've been watching Golden Girls a lot at home. I I've been watching Cheers. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if there's like a reason for it other than it's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's really funny. I actually want to try Cheers one day. I've never seen it. I I definitely like you know I was not old enough to catch it obviously, but I saw the end. I remember watching the finale when it was a big deal. I think it was like I want to say it was in the early to mid nineties. I think mm. it was before kind of Seinfeld sort of like really took over. Yeah. Um. So I really don't remember or have watched any of the beginning stuff. Like before, like Woody Harrelson came on the show. Like there was another bartender that kind of played the same role called Coach and. He basically is like they similarly kind of like how like they kind of kept writing for coaches with Woody being like a younger version of him. And since he's kind of like simple minded, um, Woody was a country boy, but coach was like Ted Danson's former like coach. And mm. he, like, I think I think they asked him why he was so like what happened to him. And he like got hit in the head or something like in the minor leagues or whatever. Yeah. But like you know, it's funny. Like I mean, I definitely watched the show. I'm like, I'm, like this, I was, I'm laughing like throughout the show. It's definitely holds up. There are a few things, few things that I don't like. 
like specifically like Shelley Long's character, I'm not too crazy about. Um, I, I uh, like the the, the the like the love like romance triangle thing between or not triangle, but like between her, him and Sam, her and Sam. It just it guy. I'm in season three right now, and I'm like, Ugh, I'm just so over it. This is not working for me. Like, like you know, but like the Cliff Clavin, and Norm Peterson stuff. Like, it's just it's just you know. The Cliff Clavin stuff in particular is like he's the I think like watching it now maybe at the time it was very obvious he's the funniest character to me it's very obvious he's like the bar know it all and like every time you talk about anything he brings up something about it whether he's making it up or not you don't know it's just the guy at the bar talking about it in his mouth so um, you watch the Good Place love the Good Place it's yeah amazing although I have to say I'm not I think I'm a couple episodes behind in the season and I don't like it as much as I like the previous seasons. The last two episodes were at, and then this one that aired last night kind of brought it back to where you need to be. Do you, did you watch the show Lost? No. Okay, so I've, I've described The Good Place of People as comedy version of Lost in reverse. Oh, that's interesting. But, I mean, I'm clearly taking some liberties with that description, but, like, to, like, to, I guess, sort of spoil the show for Lost for you, it's basically, like, these characters sort of, like, it ends with them all dying. And in, in the middle, it has them like kind of like going back and forth between this like island, whether like they're dead or not, you don't know. I mean, they but like it, it also flashes to their future, their future where they kind of like have like different stories that give the like little backdrops of like where they came from and who they interact with, and they all intersect randomly, seemingly throughout their lives. So with the good place, they start dead, and then they basically have all their afterlife stuff happen in the beginning, and then they go back to Earth, and then they're like then their stories being told like from different angles. So it's it's a broad way for me to describe it to somebody who's seen Lost, and I try to I say to watch The Good Place because, you know, it's especially the, that, that first season, like like the way it ended, like it was so good. I thought season two was better. Season two was really good too. I, I actually think that's the reason I, like I was watching The Good Place because I really enjoyed it. I thought the actors were good. It was funny, but the finale of season one made me be like, wow, I can't wait for season two. Yeah, you know, and they've done so many things in that show where like here's like. The story's going this way, and it totally could, and then they completely erase it and do something you yep. don't expect. So I, I really, confu- I, I wonder what they're going to do. I just, I have no idea. I appreciate the show doesn't waste time in, like, getting through plot. Like, there are a couple of moments in the first season where I'm like, like, that, the, the reveal at the end of season one, they could have stretched for three seasons. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I, pre- sure. I appreciate that they, like, are just getting to, like, these things they've written. They're, like, they're, like, not wasting your time dragging things out and, like, having, like, wait for what something, some reason to keep watching. It reminds me of Breaking Bad when fucking Hank closes the garage door. And do you watch Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah. I, I just yeah. assume. Yeah. We're the same person. But, uh, <laughs> and then and he calls him out for being Walter, and there's still six episodes left. You're like, <laughs> I love when yeah. the, the creators are like, they, it sounds so lame, but they respect you as a viewer. Like, you're smart. You clearly know what's happening. Right. So let's try to zig and zag here. That's what that's like. The, the good place is doing that for me. But, like, with Breaking Bad, though, it was like, it got it. For a while, though, it struggled to get to that point with the yeah. famous Fly episode being like the one that like broke a lot of people's backs into watching the show. I liked that. Well, that's the guy who did Star Wars that everyone. I, I liked it too, but I, I have to admit, I I didn't I didn't start watching Breaking Bad until it was probably in the fourth season. So I was like playing catch up to like, get to that season. So I literally like, blew through the Fly. I didn't really have much an issue with it, but yeah. I could see if you were going on a week to week basis how that episode might irritate you. Yeah, in terms of like nothing happening, literally nothing happening. It shows you his mental state, which is really cool at that moment of the show. Because really, from that moment on, it's like a freight train from like third season through the end. Um, But I could see how that might irritate some people. I literally only watched it because I wanted to see the death of Malcolm in the Middle. (laughs) Because I love Malcolm. I think it's one of the most underrated comedies of all time. This is not like a big like you know a a fun like internet theory that that's where he wound up. It's a dream. Yeah, yeah. And then so I watched it from day one, and it was just like. 
I don't even know if I, I liked it, but it didn't get yeah, it didn't become the cultural phenomenon until like season three. Yeah, and so right basically when it when it became a very clear like Walter versus Gus like oh, like dynamic, nice. that really is when it really kinda like took yeah. off. Um which has been like one of the reasons why like, you know, it's been such a cool thing to watch. Uh, Better Call Saul is to have him back. Don't have a way to watch this fucking season, but I watched the ones before. I think so. I did. Uh, I do. I use Sling. Uh, Ooh. It's not great. I'm, I'm considering getting rid of it. I, right now, I, I use it for because um, I, I, I'm a big Providence basketball fan, so they have all the games on. Sling. My wife's an alum. Okay, there you go. So yeah, I have season tickets too this year. So I uh, this is actually a season ticket. Get the. Oh, that's yeah, a little coffee cup, but Providence College for those who don't yeah. know what we're talking about. Yeah, and um, you might be the first person to bring up the sport on this podcast. Oh yeah, Thank that's you. the thing. Like it's yeah, sports. That's like to, to like to your point before about Marvel. How like you know you talk to the diehards, they're like you're not really a fan. You talk to people who don't watch it, and they're like you're a nerd. Yeah. Like, when it comes to like things like that, like I will bring up sports to people that are in the community of like that I that I know because of like. In movies and television, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, like look at this, bro!" And then I'll bring up sports people that are sports heads, and they're like, they're like "Oh, you know what you're talking about?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just you know, it's, it is what it is. But like, I'm I am a pretty big sports guy, mostly basketball and baseball. Do you do the ringer? Um, yeah, I, I do. Like, I was a big Grantland guy. Yeah, my um, my brother is that perfect. Is pretty much a mini Phil Simmons. Or yeah, just like, I've actually emailed the ringer like to see if they want to like to like try and get some freelance work. Yeah, so I'd love to do stuff. For yeah, them. his logo for the Bill Simmons podcast fucking sucks. Is it the one of his cartoon? It's face? just his cartoon faces. Yeah. you could do better. But I feel like they. It's tough because sometimes you see a company like the Ringer. I feel like they they develop intentionally a certain aesthetic when it comes to photos or company articles mm. and logos for their podcasts. Like I feel like there's like a theme throughout it, and they don't want to deviate too much from. That. I'm just guessing. Yeah, but like I feel like. It just becomes if you're a company like that, and especially you want to hire. I mean, not not to sound like you know, like you, just, you don't you don't want to spend too much money on a, on a graphic design team. If you actually develop a brand identity, you then can have designers adapt to you rather than having mm. to look out to like try and bring in new people to like oh, do stuff, new stuff. I, I mean, again, I, I'm not in their meeting, so I'm just assuming that that kind of like thought process goes into whether they get there by accident or on purpose. But I think that's where they're at now. Yeah. Because um, they're all their, like, a lot of their photo stuff for their for their articles and reviews and even sports stuff, um, it all has a similar, like, look to it. Almost like the kind of, like, uh, like the blown out, like, high saturation, like, really, like, bright colors, like, uh, uh, like Photoshop work on, on existing photos. And it, so it's like a weird tint of green. Yeah, a lot, a lot of green, a lot of green. They actually changed their green. If you go, like, I don't know if you could find it, but like, when they first came out, like, they used this color green that was so bright. It was, like, a color you couldn't replicate in print. It was just this bright electric green. Like, mm. literally, like, hurt your eyes to look at it. And they eventually, like, muted it down a little bit. Um, black, too. They used, like, the they used the deepest black and, like, the brightest green when they first came out. Maybe by intention. It literally, like, vibrated off your screen. Yeah. But when you're looking at a logo, it's one thing. If you're looking at it, like, when you're trying to read articles, it didn't really yeah. work. So I think they... Again, whether they whether they did that intentionally to like to start off the brand or, or not, they, it, they they muted it eventually, and it, and it actually like you know, it is it plays. I mean, I don't I don't really I don't think they care too much about like like we actually tried to work with the ringer to some merch and it didn't really go well. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I don't, again, I don't know how much work they put into promoting it. That's I wonder if, like that's like yeah, it's always so interesting to see like big things that don't take off like like well, well this is topical. You heard about that story about that musician who bought a bunch of followers on social media. And then set up a tour that no one showed up. No, it's like a it's like geisty thing that just happened like this oh, week man. kind of thing. But like it's kind of this weird thing with the internet where like you could be huge on the internet, but that draw doesn't transfer to real life. But then you could also be small on the internet mm -hmm. and then have a gigantic draw. Yep, because it's people look at numbers, not quality. Exactly. Yeah, which is it's like the 
it's the argument against all the stats and stuff. Because actually, like, I mean, there are people that argue against stats and things like sports, where like they're like, it's all it's all data driven. But like when it comes to like stuff like that's internet followers, Twitter followers, like how much you can translate that to actual like whether it's concert tickets, merchandise sales. Yeah. Like people base it off of certain things, but there's it's not it's never going to be perfect. Like we I, like there are there are definitely people we, that I've worked with with that their like Facebook following will be like somewhere in like the millions, and then you try to sell something, they'll sell like a hundred, two hundred. But then there are other people that have like thirty thousand Facebook followers and. I'm actually using a very specific example. It's a band that I've been a fan of for a long time called Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. In the 90s, there were a band called The Refreshments. They had a couple, they had like one big hit. I know that name. Yeah. They had a big hit called Banditos, and uh, the album was great, and they, their second launch didn't do well. They eventually like d- detached from their label, and he became an independent artist kind of before it became, mm-hmm. like like basically before like even like Napster became a thing, they were independent artists. And they've now been doing this for, you know, like 20 years. And, um, their Facebook following was like was like right around thirty thousand by the time we launched with them, and they sold like four hundred shirts. So like their percentage of like users versus purchases was such a high number compared to some of these people that have millions of followers that just don't buy merchandise. It's just it's how loyal are your fans? Yeah, yeah. How much do they want to support you? Like how much do they really want to like? Are they into the work you've done? It's just you know a lot of times you know it's just you know you put your money where your mouth is with that stuff, and people will like literally pay money to support people which is what like the cool thing about like the companies like patreon where they like don't all you're doing is paying somebody to do their job yeah it's just you, that's it's how much crazy. you really like want them to do their job that's it's really cool and, and like the fact that someone thought that would work and it did kind of surprise me because usually it's like that's where we come in like with the, like working with a t-shirt a t-shirt company it's like you give them money to support them they give you a t-shirt to wear and like some people are like oh we don't want to have to give to get like kind of thing mm. like rather just but I'm, I don't know, I look at it the other way, being like, they want to buy something to, like, show off their support for you, like, yeah. wire it around. Like, it's you not just, it's not just, I want a shirt for my, for your, I don't want to give you money for something just because I need something back for the money I'm giving you. It's like, I want to wear something to promote you, to show yeah. that I like to people that I, that maybe that don't know your product. I'm like, I'm wearing, like, something to support you. So, like, so, yeah, I don't, I think it's a little cynical to be like, oh, people just want, you have to use t-shirts just because people want to get something for something. But, like, I think it's more than that. I think people really want if they, people are going to wear something with your logo on it, then it means they really, really like your stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember when I, when I was younger, this was like a, a huge debate within the music scene. I was in, it was like, uh, buy a shirt versus a CD. And if you bought the band's shirt, you weren't a real fan. You need to buy the CD to be the fan. But I'm like, I always liked wearing the shirt because, like, I wasn't, the bands I would be shirt see weren't, like, really big bands. Right. So if you're out in the world and someone sees you in, like, a Boy Sets Fire shirt, it's an immediate friend. Right. Or, like, the band I, I, I am. It's a signal. With. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like, like, like you know, you just, you wear, it's, you know, it's like a... I agree. And I, yeah, and that's all it was like thing. So I would buy their shirts, but I can get the album anywhere. The shirt, I can't buy it any, anywhere. Yeah, and I think that was probably back, again, like, I didn't, if you go to a concert now, it's not even about, like, the, like no one, like, no one buys no one CDs sells anymore. CDs. Yeah, it's just, just they sell merchandise. Yeah. The fact is, you, the fact is, you bought a ticket to go to the concert. That really proves you like the music. You don't have to buy the CD. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to fucking prove myself anymore at some yeah. point. It's like... What do I have to do for you guys? Like, I'm here. I could have been home. But I think the same, I think it's what led me to like, so my, the way I gravitated towards doing posters was twofold. One, because I've been working now exclusively with t-shirts now for like, uh, like almost like six years. So like, I, I was looking for something a little different, but in terms of like, you know, if I find a poster, if I go to, if I go to a concert and there's a band selling like a poster or a t-shirt, I'm probably gonna buy the poster because I can't, I'm not gonna wear the t-shirt every day, but I can put the poster on my wall and yeah. see it every day, you know? Your your art your like popcorn you would make fucking awesome t-shirts. 
Uh, yeah, because I, I love like, the local. Lo- yeah, I, I think that would be that would be my main issue with it. I think I could probably again. I could probably my my thought is I would probably lean more towards. If I was going to do shirt for popcorn ink, I would lean more towards parody. A parody shirt of popcorn ink. Like I would make a popcorn ink shirt. Mm. Like it would say popcorn ink, but then I would maybe include some of the like goofy illustrations and oh, parts and things. Cool, I yeah. That way, I'm not really like I'm selling my own brand, not selling somebody else's brand. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I definitely think that that stuff. Because like, most of the stuff that I make is like two, three, four colors. Like stuff that really is ideal for for screen printing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that I think that a lot. Like a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that I actually sell were things that I um, start off making for a T-shirt, and then I kind of like scrapped it and just use it for a poster so um but yeah it's definitely like the poster stuff too like i, I like i really like i just started like kind of creating music posters um in the popcorn and stuff it was, it was almost exclusively movies and television and a couple of people i'm like this would be you could, you could probably do a really cool like retro poster for a band and i'm like all right let me start doing that so i started messing around with like beatles stuff and like mm. someone and, um and, like a killer's one so like yeah it's like it's a cool thing and i Frankly, like the stuff that I have now, like I, I actually like to me, it's more of like an asset of like trying to get a freelance work. Like I, yeah. if I go to a concert, I might like bring a concert poster with me, with, like my a business card, and be like, if you guys ever want something like this, like you know, yeah, here's, yeah. My, here's my contact information. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely cool to have an avenue where I'm like I could be like, hey, do you want to work with me? Here's the stuff that I do, and if you like it, we can work together. That to me is what I wish. Like the company, like we don't really do a lot of like. Here's our company portfolio. Like, find something you like. It's sort of like here's a client wants to work with us. Let's make them something fast and mm-hmm. see if you like. When you find people's passions, like right. it's just, it doesn't matter who you are. You just like, and sometimes it's just like sometimes it's the weirdest shit. Sure, I think it, I think there's also a little bit of the fact that I've been working from from home the last two months. Do you like two that? years, two years. Uh, that I that like the ability to kind of like converse with people about this stuff is kind of cool. It's it's pros and cons, you know. Yeah. Um, it's cool to have like you know, like a day like today, like. Because I have my companies in California, I can like kind of come and do this. So, in the, in the, the travel and like work in hotels, if you're gonna like, do a trip or something. So, I mean, I go out to LA often for work. Um, I was supposed to actually we were thinking about going up in December, but because the our, our holiday rush is sort of ending right at Black Friday, there's really mm-hmm. no need for me to go out well, there. And LA's on fire. So and LA's on fire. Might too, be a so good time to, to kind of like, cool off on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably go in. I'll probably go in January or sometime in the yeah. beginning of the first quarter. But like I was there in June. Or, or early July, and uh, it's yeah, it's 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 nice to do that, and the ability to like, you know, I can go visit my brother in New Jersey and just mm-hmm. work from a coffee shop. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and you know, it's it's so there's there's pros to that, but you know, I, I mean, it's tough because I don't want to like like if I ever was gonna like work in an office again, I wouldn't want to just do it just to work in an office again. You know, yeah. it's, it's like there is something to be said for like I do think that there, you know, I, I feel like I've been doing this long enough where I can actually work almost more effectively at home because I'm not, there's no office distractions. Like when I go out to, to LA and work, I get less done because just because of just normal social interaction with people. Good morning. You, you want to get a coffee? Like, Oh, let's get some lunch. Like, Oh, we're having like a meeting in a bit. Like it just, you know, little chit chat throughout the day adds up and like, I can't like lock in for like four straight hours like I can at home. Um, so yeah, there's, there's pros and cons, but like, I definitely think that it's, it's a, it's a, it's, I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like I might be better off going back into an office, but I don't want to. But I also feel like if I did that, I'd be like, "What was I thinking?" Yeah. You know? <laughs> I have this weird thing. Like, I only have to be in the office for an hour in the morning, and then the rest of the day, I'm like, uh, I work out of an office, but I kind of mm-hmm. like float throughout the state. I go through all over the state. Okay. Sometimes I pop home. Sometimes I'm out in the world. So that's kind of cool. I did want to ask you uh, the thing I know people listening would find interesting too. Like, can you? I was also looking at your site. 
Um, well, I was about to plug it all cleverly, but I couldn't remember. <laughs> is it Brian Malloy or is it just yeah? It's well, my, my my portfolio is just my name, BrianMalloy.com, but I have popcorning.com is sort of like a work. It's basically been a work in progress like web store that I've had up for over like two years at this point. I honestly like it's it's ironically enough it's because it, I I bought I created it as a place to possibly sell online, which I haven't really done at all. But it wound up as it's become sort of like the the place where if I find a freelance client that wants to work with me to sell either posters or t-shirts, that's sort of where I launch it from. So like one of the, my clients is a, is a blogger, uh, he, we read for ESPN actually, um, about uniforms. It's like mm-hmm. basically graphic design in the world of sports, which is like right up my alley. Oh wow, so it's, how niche. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it, yeah, right back to that, it's like super, super niche. He's been doing it since I think 1999. He used to write in uh, a paper in New York, and now he writes he worked for ESPN. Like anytime there's a big uniform launch, a new logo, mm. something like that for a new team, he's usually got like advance notice. He writes reviews on this stuff. He's got like this, like it's like a cottage little industry. Of, it's called Uni Watch. Uh, it's the guy's really talented. He's just one of my favorite writers and one of my favorite like people to, to like listen to and, and, and read. And um, I was lucky enough to like you know reach out to him when we did some stuff when I was at Teespring, and then we did some stuff when I was at Represent, and then we kind of like even took it further off. And like we just now like kind of create our stuff again. Talk about collaboration. We talk about ideas. We, I helped him with a new logo. We did some new hats and shirts and um, stuff like that. And like, it's just been really like kind of a cool avenue to like to take like some of the freelance stuff. But that's where the popcorn insight is sort of like mm. come into play for me, where I have this store set up and I can like just build out a, a, a product for him to sell. He he, he sends the link to his you know, his audience, whether it's on Twitter or on his blog, and you know, it's just kind of a cool like it, that's basically what it's become. And almost in the sense of like when I. Like like build myself as a freelancer for any of these product product projects. I essentially just use Popcorn Inc. as like the company name that I like mm. work with now. And it's just kind of like a nice cover to have in terms of like just encompassing. Because I like like I don't know. I've like it took me. I probably did the poster stuff for like a year and a half before I came up with the name mm. Popcorn Inc. and the logo and everything. And the whole like as like an afterthought, I was kind of like I wanted to have something that related to going to the movies and the ink on the posters I was making. That's kind of where it came from. And but I can I can like back end into like anything that anything that involving popcorn that you go to a sporting event concert yeah. entertainment and print it sort of kind of fits so I kind of like it can work for an, all the other projects that I've sort of like found myself into. So I want to ask you about the the office people and all the celebrities you've worked with. Yeah, that's just interesting. You did a lot of work uh, with uh, uh, on your site. As yeah, well, uh, Rain Wilson's on there a few times. Uh, Jenna Fisher. And Rain Wilson Hawaii. and Jenna Fisher are the are the two big ones. Yeah, they they I think about like I want to say it must be probably like two years ago now. We did uh, something with Rain Wilson, and he, he he like he seemed to be like because again I'm working in Providence for a company in LA, so I'm not really in the office when these guys come in and out. Um, but he was there. Took the did the whole photo shoot with the shirt. Like it was one I did that was it was just. You know, uh, it's him in a bear suit, holding a beat, riding a ship in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> oh my god, um, I was, fucking love it! Yeah, and that was basically it. it was no, like I was really into that. Uh, like again, just made my own like you know ego, but I was into that as kind of like it was. It was one of the uh, shirt we did that had zero text. It was based solely yeah. on the illustration. It's a deep cut too. Yeah, it's, it's a deep bear cut. Beats Battlestar yeah. Galactica. We we actually we almost had the text on there, and I think he was the one that asked for it to be taken off, which I was I was like, oh, that's off, that's awesome. Yeah. I, so yeah, and it did great. I mean, I don't, I don't know the t- final tally, but he definitely, he definitely cleared like fifteen thousand uh, shirts sold in like a ten day period. So these are people they sell on their site. So or? he like I, I think that's like NBC was really cool about it because we obviously were using 
what you could, what I would consider intellectual property from the, the, from the office. Yeah. He, NBC was like allowed, like, or they just, they basically, I think NBC promoted it through their feeds also. Wow. And he did it through his own. He, had, he did it for, a, it's a really good charity. The name is hidden, but I think it was for like, for, for promoting like literacy in, um, like, in, in, in African countries for, for girls who aren't like allowed to like learn how to read in these countries. That's a good dude. Yeah. So he was, he, he did great with that and he became, like we we did a couple more with him. I, I wasn't a part of it, but like it was just, I was on other projects. But then like this holiday season, we have some new stuff coming out for him, and it's pretty awesome. Like it's it involves like uh, button up like pattern shirts, like socks, t shirts, um, mugs. Like it's he's really like letting us kind of run wild with this whole just basically. I just did twelve different faces of of Dwight throughout the run of the office. Like this from like Belschnickel to his his uh, volunteer uh, volunteer deputy. Um, to like his, uh, you know, when he bleaches hair blonde, like this, like it's really cool. Like it, it came together, you know, actually pretty quick. All things considered, like how normally these things go for us. So, um, yeah, like it's it's definitely like that. That kind of relationship is kind of what how I think would be for like long term for the company to work for uh, would be ideal. Like you want to work with these companies like the same way I just spoke about with some of my freelance clients. You build trust with them where they eventually get to a point where they not only like want to work with you but they trust you with your next idea um, yeah, yeah. so that's kind of cool I think that I think the Rain Wilson stuff is kind of I don't know if we're there where we were the perfect spot but I think we're we're on our way towards that where he didn't seem to like he seemed to be in on this from the get go so you seem to capture his brand at least yeah I mean it's it's He's definitely yeah that, oh that's one of the reasons why we we're doing the button up shirt and like they were like oh they want it in black I'm like well we gotta sell it in the mustard yellow right yeah oh my so God. that was like that became like something that like alright cool we'll definitely do that I'm like that's like that to me it was a no brainer so yeah. like, um, I, I think I wanted to do I think we tried to get ties and pillows also but we couldn't get them printed in time for, for uh, the holiday season so yeah that's cool it's cool to like it's definitely it's always cool to make artwork for content that you consume, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. like, that's, like, it's a different, like, you know, there, there are times where I'll get clients where I'm, like, I have no idea who they are. Part of the fun is, like, I do, like, to do research to, like, find out what might be, like, a niche joke. Mm. Like, But, like, you know, that's hit or miss. I can literally watch or listen to a podcast of a client that I've never heard of before and kind of, like, do my best guess on what I think the fans might want. But when you are a fan, it's way easier to know what the fans want because you yeah. just, what do I want? Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely... Um, like, like case by case with most of these most of these clients but yeah when it comes to like stuff that you've been a big fan of for a decade plus it's really wow. kind of cool to, to be able to work on that huh? yeah it's how, when did that first air 2004 somewhere around there it's definitely over it, it's been it's approaching the territory when it's when was the last season I don't even I, I, I can figure this way I remember buying the DVDs <laughs> Right, and that, then when it went to Netflix streaming, is the and I had a, I I actually upgraded Netflix streaming for The Office because it was go. coming. But I actually I owned I think the first two three seasons or four and you, maybe around season three or four and came to Netflix. Twenty four twenty four was still on the air when Office. Yeah, was on, that's how long ago. Yeah, just, it feels so timeless though. So I, I watch it all the time, which is weird too because the it it feels timeless when it's clearly a, a show of its time. You know, it's not like there's no like. Like, the internet's not really, like, Facebook doesn't really exist for most of the run of the office, you know? It's like, well, Jim is Facebook. 
you know what? Fair point. It actually, like that, but no, but you're right. Like that literally is like, like time stamps it to like when Facebook kind of became into the cultural yeah. phenomenon. What year was that? Like that's how long. That's probably when it happened. Or they missed the boat completely. Like oh, part four. We're gonna talk about this. Yeah, years. Like, nope. That was great. Or the lip syncing. But I, I do like that. Like they did. They were integrated internet culture and the the perfect that's way. True. Uh, just enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, like that stuff isn't a thing anymore. But yeah, I mean, you can't have a fire alarm without being outside talking about the fire guy. <laughs> Like, well, do you think? I mean, do you think a show like The Office, especially the first few seasons, could exist now? Like, would they would they be able to make those episodes? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the foil. The whole point is that Michael Scott's like character like actually shows some growth like throughout his like yeah. beginning to the end. Like he's so obnoxious at the beginning when they kind of made him a Ricky Gervais like kind of yeah. like replica. But like you know, I feel like you're allowed to get away with things that are a little bit more off color when you have a character who's clearly being like like admonished for being so off like off top you know, off color. I think it would have ended up on a streaming service probably. or an HBO or something. It might not have been HBO, probably. On NBC, yeah. but NBC, gotta give them credit. They've put on some fucking weird shit. Yeah. I mean, they have a good place on right now. Right. It's but, the, I mean, I know that's Mike Sure had all that clout after doing The Office, Parks and Rec. Yep. And he's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is fucking underrated. Yes. I, yeah. That's a show that, I, it's, yeah. Like, I say this, I think I said this about a lot of TV shows. I don't watch it regularly, but when I do watch it, I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Now, I it's just, so it's, there's so many shows that, like you said before, like, it's tough to keep up with all of them, but... Yeah, I didn't mean to bury the lead. I forgot. I should have said this. Anyone out there too? I'll put this in the beginning. Uh, you did the artwork for this, the new artwork for my podcast. Oh yeah, which there I you should go. have said in the beginning. Right. But, yeah. so, but people out there, like, hit them up. I'm serious. It's, yeah, uh, you're super Thank easy you. to work with. Thank you very much. It was just yeah. like one phone call, and I actually I remember I gave you a terrible idea, and you were very nice. You're like, okay, well, how about we do this? Or, <laughs> no, I don't know how you worded it, but you worded it in a way where you like. Like, I work in the behavioral health, like, mental health stuff. Right, right. Like, therapist, like, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, you really validated it and then explained to me why it was a garbage idea without making me feel like shit. I think what I what I said was it's, it's a good idea for, like, a promotion. Like, for like yes. a poster yeah, or yeah. something, like, to promote the podcast. But for a logo, like, one of the one of the easiest things for me, though, when I talk to you about logos, is, like, could you turn it into one color and could you embroider it on, like, a hat? Because you, you can't do that. I was like, oh, yeah. You can't do that. You can't, it's not really yeah. a logo. It's really just a, a small illustration you're calling a logo. What was my idea? I was like, I was like uh, you know, the thing from Bobby's, Bobby's World. world. And, like, yeah. and like somebody, somebody deep So I knew the time frame. Like that, that, to me, the best part of that conversation was when you brought up Bobby's World. I'm like, at least gives me like a, a, a genre of like kind of like entertainment to like focus on. And it was like kind of like Saturday mornings in the 90s. Yeah. Like that's sort of like the, the Late, general. Like early, I'm, uh, I'm 34, so I don't know. Like okay. Millennial? I don't know. Honestly, I find the whole millennial thing very strange because I've been told that, like, it can stretch from people that are in their late thirties to people that are in like their early twenties and late teens. Like, it's such a weird thing. I'm like, I'm like, how can you possibly be so, like, according to some the definition I heard, it was possible for you to have to, for you a father and a child to be both millennials, which really doesn't make sense. I know there's such a difference <laughs> from someone who's eighteen to me because like, I work with teenagers sometimes. Like, yeah, uh, professionally, and I'm like. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I think uh, that they, uh, they did the study. They like asked fourteen, like maybe like ten to fourteen year olds, uh, who are the most ten famous people in the world, and the president wasn't on there, and it was all people I didn't. Know. I maybe heard one name, and it was Logan wow. Paul, who I only know because he made horrible news. Yeah, all the, YouTubers the, and stuff. Yeah, right. So I was like, I was like, wow, it's it's, it's, like, it's yeah, gonna be famous in their own reality. Right? Yeah, it's hard to like. Like as, as 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 like narrow as this as broad as the scope can be with like how big things are now and like how easy it is to get news and all this stuff like it just makes the scope of like getting people's attention that much harder and yeah, yeah like the I, young I, kids are not watching TV according no. to data I mean 
I mean, I'd, I'd rather watch TV. I haven't had cable in five years. Yeah, me either. But they all watch YouTube, apparently. Which, why not, right? I actually, yeah. I love I mean, YouTube. And YouTube has got, have you, I did the trial of YouTube TV. That's yeah, what I think yeah. I'm going to switch to. Yeah. It was, it was, I thought it was, it was more expensive, but I thought it was better than Sling. Um, what, you can watch TV on YouTube? YouTube TV is actually like a paid service. It's not cheap, but it's way cheaper than cable. Um, I, like, I mean, I should be doing like a, a promo for, for YouTube TV. I did the trial and I canceled some of it because they didn't have, uh, I have Roku, and it, yeah. I have an old Roku, and I can't access it on my TV. I can only access oh. it on my computer. I just need to get a, I need to buy a new Roku, and I'm like, you know what? I'll, I just really wanted it for the basketball season, so I could watch yeah. all the prior Roku Well, games. you can do uh, sports on Amazon Prime now. Yeah, but it's like, I know they have the NFL games on there. but oh, I maybe that's I, all? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they have more, but like, like I'm watching like the, like the Fox Sports like sub-channels, yeah. and I, like that's really what Providence plays on. And sports is like the last thing that's keeping cable alive but that's what but that's what youtube tv has so it's one of the reasons why i never i left cable it was easy for me to leave cable because i'm also a big uh i'm from new york so i'm a big mets fan and when you are out of state you can buy the mlb package i have like a few other relatives that are that are mets fans that live out of new york and we can like split like three ways yeah, MLB yeah. package watch every game like from home but if you're in new york you can't get it all those all the all the local games are blacked out because they want you to buy oh. the cable service from my experience, YouTube TV includes the local sports package, no matter where you are. So if you got it here, you get Nesson. But if you if you got it in New York, you'd be able to get the Mets and the Yankees. Oh, they're gonna disrupt everything. So that's what I mean. Like my brother is, lives in New Jersey, and he he has to get cable because he, he has to pay these crazy cable fees because he wants to get the Mets and the Knicks. Yeah. And all. But I'm like, I'll, when the next time I see him, I'm like, dude, YouTube TV, Man. like MSG, SNY, all these channels that you need to watch the Mets and the Knicks, and like you get them with YouTube TV, and it's. But to me, the problem with Sling is that the stream just isn't great. Yeah. And YouTube's is way better. Yeah. It's just a way better quality stream. Um, so yeah, that's I'm, I'm, I will eventually probably migrate to YouTube TV, but for now I'm, I'm using Sling, which is just okay. Trying to do some work for them while you're liking them so much. Yeah, I know. Start I know. Their logos all right. It's, it's weird too. My my problem with Sling is it's twofold. One, it's just the service is pretty good. It's not great. But two, I I, I literally rubbed me the wrong way that their tagline is a la carte TV. It's such a lie. Like, a la carte TV implies you can pick the channels you want. Yeah. It's basically like a small version of cable. You can only buy two different blocks of TV channels. You oh. have no options. Oh, and it's not even just pick and choose? And no. You can add You can add on, like, HBO and Showtime and all these other, like, specialty channels. But you basically, it's like Sling Blue and Sling Orange. And one is, tw- like, one is one set of channels, one's another set of channels with, with very little overlap. So oh. you have to, like, if you want all, like, the sports channels, you have to buy both. And the cost of both is now more than YouTube TV. So... But I'm, I just like I'm like why call it a la carte TV? It's so irritating. It's the same problem as cable. Like you have to buy channels you don't watch. Yeah, so it's just taking the. It's just cheaper version of cable. It's, it's an older business really model trying to repackage itself or something. Yeah. I wonder who owns Sling because that's where you can usually like uh, Hulu and I like it a lot, but there's a lot of issues with it. And I read some article about Hulu is owned by multiple different companies, and that's why there's not a clear, concise like. I thought it's hard I've to find that stuff. Too, yeah. and, like the content is good, right? But it's hard to find shit on there. Even like stuff you like, you just watched, it right? Be hard to find, and I, so it's yeah. a little odd. So. I I'm hoping like like the only way that it'll ever really get to the point that's a la carte is when all these networks just simply just have their own apps. Like Disney's making their own, right? They're having Can't their own, wait. right? It's gonna be a monster. But like, I wish like FX would do that. Like right now, you can only get the FX app. I think if you have cable. Yeah, I so, sold my brother's. So I so I'm literally like I'm not. I have to wait so long to watch all these shows on FX that I like. Yeah, and it's all the Simpsons episodes. Yeah, I know. If you find a family member, it's your cable. Account. Well, see, Sling Sling has FX on it, which is why one of the reasons why I get it. Yeah. But like, it's not it's not on demand. Like they've some episodes are on demand, like a small rotating library of mm-hmm. episodes. But it's not like I can watch, you know, 
I, it's not like I can go back and watch any of the, of the shows that I wish I could. Or like I've heard Mayans is pretty good. I have no idea. Mayans? Like, it's the it's sort of like the spin off of Sons of Anarchy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, which I which I I I'd say I love Sons of Anarchy for like most of it, and then kind of like thought it was okay at the end. I was yeah. didn't think the ending was great, but it was still awesome television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, like that's that's really where I'm on that with like cable. Like I, I think I'll wind up as being a YouTube guy and then getting all the sports packages on the yeah, it's so no funny. Um, man, so is there anything we missed that you need we need to bring up or plug or and if not like plug your pluggables? Yeah, no, I mean it's just uh, yeah. If it was if this is during the summer, I'd probably promote the, the Providence Fleas on the weekends. Which I, I I did a little bit less than of them this year than I would have liked because of just travel and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like right now it's just yeah. I guess you know. Popcorning.com or BrianMalloy.com if you are looking for um, you know any type of like design work. I'm, I'm always free, open. And you'll do freelance for even little podcasters like me. Yeah, like, exactly. It's always it's always like affordable for me. Yeah, to me like that's like the, the the balance of that stuff is like you know I I, I if it's a, like that for you is was, was easy. I'm like I'm like I like we talked about this stuff all the time when you came by the, the yeah. The, I'm like I'm like this would be a fun project for me to work with. I'm not gonna let money get in the way of trying to make it work. But at the same time like. I, it, it makes it easier for me to kind of like make you know it's a combination of making it easier for me for like you know like I can do I can do certain things for you for certain money but I'm like it can only be a process that takes you know so so much oh, time, yeah, you know time I mean? yeah, yeah. so like that's it's it's always weird that's always like the, one of the biggest hangups so the hardest thing for me as a freelancer is trying to gauge the amount of time like I can tell someone I can make a logo for five hundred bucks but if process takes me three months to get it done it's not worth my time oh yeah you know? of course but if somebody like wants but like that's the beauty of someone coming to me like, like i love you work on work with you those those never take as long because yeah. they're going to trust me like i can set a price um but it's but it's the reason why i think people like eventually develop hourly rates because you can you can't get like you get you can get killed on time and stuff like that but but yeah i mean like i said i don't know if that's a good plug or not for working freelance but like but it's always like, it, it's, i mean like anything else case by case basis with design work it's it's impossible to make things too structured because you'll never get anything done. People out there, reach out if you need something. <laughs> Thanks yeah. a lot.